0: This podcast is hosted by RPP.
1: The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device.
0: Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do.
1: Because the government was also freaked out about
0: therapies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession.
1: Meanwhile, as she's on top of him squeezing his throat, she's screaming,
0: who sent India? And they started to move towards her really fast.
1: What are these? Australian aliens.
0: Welcome back, everyone. It's, uh, you may remember us. Yeah, I (laughs) I hope so. It's Gem and Esther. We're called I Think My Fridge is Haunted and we're a very creepy podcast for very creepy people. Hello,
1: hello, 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 everyone. Hi,
0: Esther. And, of course, as always, we have our producer Chris uh, in the corner, just making sure that we get all our facts straight.
1: Yeah, even though she doesn't know the stories uh, beforehand. um, The clatter was Gemma taking a skull of alcohol, if you guys heard that.
0: It was wine. I actually what?
1: knocked over this planchette. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Let's summon some demons tonight. Uh, That's what
0: it's about.
1: <laughs> I wanted to give a little, um, first of all, uh, Squid Game, guys, we we got through to episode two, I'm pretty sure, and then shit kind of hit the fan. Um, COVID lots was. Lots of
0: stuff happened. Lots
1: of stuff happened. Yeah, a lot of stuff just go and watch the TV the TV show. I was lit, I was thinking about it. I was literally translate translating shit for everyone. I was like a talking book of squid game. I you don't were. know why I did that. I don't know. I think I was very passionate for the show at the time, and yeah. I guys, I spent hours writing. there was basically the entire script. I was doing second for second. i I don't know what the hell I was thinking.
0: Well, if, look, if you wanted to just do an episode of just let's wrap up the whole of season one just so at least we've finished it, I can, we, can, yeah. we can do that some afternoon because I really liked watching it again.
1: See, I'm glad you did. And yeah. I'm
0: freaking hanging out for season two.
1: Yeah, I am too. But no, I I'm hanging think- out.
0: I want to know what he does. He's got red hair now. He's got <laughs> on a plane. He's going to go around the world and shit's going to hit the fan and I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, he'll join Eurovision and then... People from around the world will go, hey, wasn't that the dude that competed? Uh, then again, there's no witnesses. They're all dead, aren't they? So
0: Also, South Korea isn't in Europe.
1: Maybe look towards the future, Gemma. But I, do you know what? Is I that feel like,
0: you know how, like every every year America is like, We want to be in Eurovision, we want to be in Eurovision. And everyone's like, No, you're not in Europe. But I get the impression that if South Korea ever went, Hey, we want to be in Eurovision, is that okay? Everyone would be like, come on over.
1: Oh, they'll win it. That's the problem. I mean, they'll compete with a K-pop group.
0: They would win and everyone would just be falling over themselves.
1: Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, another little um, I want to dedicate the for- to the foreseeable future. Um, I'm not sure about you, Gemma, but definitely my segments to our dear, gorgeous friend Stevie Leach, who mm-hmm. passed away at a very young age, about the same time we stopped recording for Squid Game. So, th- yeah, Stevie or Icy Possum, um, you pr- he was one of our biggest, biggest, biggest supporters, and that's not only through the podcast that's in life like stevie was one of the most genuine gorgeous loving people i had ever met and i'm not i'm not just saying that stevie was just so kind he was the best and we were all heartbroken it's sad it's really freaking sad We miss you. We love you. You guys who have joined us on live streams probably saw Stevie's little icon pop up on social media. You know, he was at all my burlesque gigs.
0: He was a huge supporter of drag, burlesque. He bought all the merch. He was always at the shows, but a very modest, shy person at the same time.
1: Completely. Completely. And I was
0: so happy that we were able to spend time with him at your midsummer solo show. Yes.
1: yes. We went
0: into lockdown and then unfortunately he passed away before we could hang out again.
1: Yeah. I mean, so that night
0: was like super special,
1: super special. He he was the best. I think about him a lot and I want to dedicate my, all my stories, even though they're horribly negative, we send you love. And I just wanted you guys to know that's why we kind of went out for a little bit and I definitely didn't feel like recording anything, um, but yeah. we're back and here we here we go.
0: No, loads has happened. Shall we get on with the show? Yes. I've got a feeling this one might be a long one because mine's kind of a long one. And yours is kind of def- I've seen your notes and it's yeah. it's long. Yeah, it's a lot. We might
1: have to do two parters for both stories.
0: Yeah, I definitely will. When I was researching this, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to get through all this." No, this is going to be two weeks.
1: Oh yeah same I not not only did I watch the documentary twice I went on a tangent it gave me nightmares the first time I heard of this case I, it was really scary then watched the documentary this one is absolute trigger warning super fucked up incredibly interesting um I would love to know more about this but yeah
0: okay I'm 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 intrigued
1: I'm intrigued about yours, girl.
0: It's going to be something real random, like
1: the haunted screwdriver and...
0: No, that's next week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was going to say mine is not kind of scary or anything. Well, it's not really scary. It's probably more... So like Jesus Toast. If you want... Yeah, like Jesus Toast. So if you want me to go later... Yeah,
1: I think so. So
0: that people don't end up depressed afterwards. Yeah,
1: easy, guys.
0: Do you um, have this back from the freezer?
1: Fuck, you know, yeah, I do. That's from the freezer. That's from the freezer. <laughs> Wait, I saw it on TikTok last night and God, I laughed. But it's actually not funny, but in a feminist way, it's grayish.
0: Mine's darkly humorous. I sent it to my sister and she just didn't even reply. Ha! Oh, like it's. <laughs> she just was like well.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i literally sent this tiktok to everyone i was like check this shit i'm laughing my ass off and everyone was like eh.
0: was it the chick that got um bitten on the tongue by the spider Ooh. and it all spilled up to the sides of like half of her head that was that was bad
1: that was yeah guys um instagram message me if you want to see that photo all right um what's your fact gem Jem.
0: uh Mine's kind of actually a mini story because I was going to tell it in like two lines, but it was actually so funny that I wanted to tell like more depth. All right. <laughs> okay. So, and you probably know of this. In 1970, a huge whale carcass washed up on a beach in Florence in Oregon. It's 45 feet long and it weighs eight tons. So it's a massive whale. It's just dead whale wash up. So the local police or officials or whatever, the council, they try to figure out what to do with this because it really smells. Mm. So they don't want to bury it and they and no one wanted to cut it up. Like they couldn't get anyone who wanted to cut it up and bury the pieces. And they can't put it out to sea because, like, the tide will bring it back in. So they decide to pack the carcass with dynamite. Oh, yeah, I know and, this one. They want to they blow it up. And they think, okay, so all the remaining pieces that are left, the the birds will just eat it and the crabs. So what ended up happening was that loads of people and a journalist ended up coming to the beach to watch and they're all really excited. (laughs) And um, the birds are actually gathered round as well because they want to eat the carcass. And um, there's a video, there's like a news clip of it. It's freaking hilarious. (laughs) so the explosion is massive like it's freaking huge and people start to cheer they're like yay and then after a few seconds like you hear like these little like boom 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 all these little chunks just start coming all down on me
1: could you send me that
0: (laughs) i will i didn't know there
1: was footage
0: one chunk is so big it actually crushes a brand new car that's like (laughs) Oh, bro. <laughs> so no one was injured um but the birds were so freaked out they just like they pissed off and they wouldn't eat the freaking rest of the- <laughs> like there's still half a wire left <laughs> when did this happen in 1970 oh they'll send you the news like you'll laugh so much yeah so better. um they just ended up hauling like the right like the news article it shows like this guy with like this big like caterpillar vehicle comes and sort of pushes it down the beach. So the journalist Paul Lindman, who covered the story, apparently like this was his defining moment Mm -hmm. in news in his career and he gets stopped all the time about the exploding whale and he said, it's something that reoccurs in my life one way or another every single day. I know it's going to be written about in my obituary.
1: (laughs) In his obituary? What So what does he have little experiences of exploding whales on, in, in every day? No, it's
0: just he just covered the story, and I think in Oregon,
1: uh, it's there's just only a really about seven famous, famous yeah.
0: thing that happened. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Really? I'm, Oregon is very well known. Well, exploding I knew the story whale. of the
0: exploding whale, but I actually thought it was Australian.
1: Mm, and you, look, it's probably happened here. I mean. It's
0: probably happened here, but, yeah, and I was like, oh, it was in um. America okay
1: have you seen a dead whale mm, no I have seen and played around so many dead whales really oh yeah throughout my childhood I have wow. big memories multiple memories of um playing around dead whales they stink. some kids have
0: a maypole oh, we have a dead whale danced around a dead whale <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nah. Nah. Legit. <laughs> Like, midsummer. <laughs> <Ooh>.
1: like... <laughs> What's funny. your fact? Oh, anglerfish, right? What? Anglerfish. Anglerfish? A deep sea fish. Oh. See, Chris is nodding. She knows exactly what I... Look at her. Noddy, Should noddy I Google noddy. this? Oh, they're just the tip... You know, when you think of a dead sea... Dead... Uh, deep sea fish and they've like got real the creepy
0: like skeletal looking yeah they've got like, huge jaws yeah, 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 yeah. and a
1: little light bulb coming out of their head yes yeah very i i am petrified of water of the ocean um large bodies of water i my biggest fear is tsunamis but my god i research the shit out of everything the deep sea tsunamis i spent an hour last night watching tsunami videos anyway uh, <clears throat> back to anglerfish so these deep those those big ones you see with the they usually have like either really big eyes or no eyes because they don't need yeah. them. But the really big ones with the huge spindly teeth, they're the females, right? Okay. The little boy fish literally look like you know when you eat a donut and then you spit out a donut. Have you done that?
0: They look like mush.
1: They're just little mushes. They're quite cute, but they're just like fish-shaped mush. Anyway, what? tiny. Like these big female badass fish with the light bulbs. The males are like the size of your thumb. And they to mate with a female anglerfish, the, 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 the girl absorbs them into her skin and then she swims around for the like, rest of her life with her exes her ex-lovers merged into her skin like there's this one photo of an anglerfish a female anglerfish who has two males stuck kind of halfway being absorbed and whenever she wants to mate Jesus. again yeah whenever she wants to mate she just sucks the life force out of these male fish that are attached to her what it's the future
0: wow they've got really clingy exes yeah literally <laughs> Right. all right shall we go yep
1: um trigger warning trigger trigger warning um my sources are from the hindu wikipedia Net- netflix's house of secrets the desi crime <gasps> podcast digital mafia talkies oh <gasps> she knows
0: i know i know of this case i don't know a lot about it
1: oh my
0: but God. i know it's really random
1: it is incredible now, I'm not saying that like, oh my god, I love this, because it's horrendous, but as far as looking this at this case from any perspective, it is so bizarre, and it's props to everyone, all the specialists involved in India and around the world, because they had to get people in to come and look at it, because it was just so crazy. Uh, it's it's a rare occurrence, but I'll get to the occurrence in part two. I'm only
0: doing part one. I'm so one. glad I didn't end up watching that uh, documentary. It's on my list to watch, but Same. um, I want to hear it from you first.
1: Uh, guys, I recommend if you're wanting a podcast that looks at cases from India, check out the Desi Crime podcast. They're really great. Really, really great. <clears throat> Desi Crime? D-E-S-I. Okay, cool. Um, Also, I apologise to anyone who is Indian, There's a lot of names in here I cannot pronounce properly, so let's get into it. Okay, this case took place in Burari, India, uh, in Delhi, on July of 2018. So we'll do a little backstory on the family. The Chandawat family, also known as the Bahatia family by neighbours, were an average middle-class family who had been living in a double-storey house in Burari's Sant Nagar neighbourhood for around 20 years after moving from their original town in Tohana Haryana which is kind of in the country. And so um, uh, the Burari neighbourhood, just to give you guys a little rundown, is a small little town within Delhi, right?
0: Um, okay, like a suburb kind of thing yeah, I guess.
1: and it's super 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 op- uh, overpopulated It's typically Indian, uh, super crowded, lots of people, tiny little streets, buildings crammed one next to the other. Right. It's it's a middle-class area. You know, it's nice. I -hmm. I saw that on their street. There's a hospital. There's lots of stores. Okay. Uh, The family ran a grocery shop and plywood business. They started off with a grocery shop, and then Lalit, who is one of the sons, he – bought a ply, he started a plywood company, a business in the area that was well known. They would open the uh, grocery store super early in the morning, so between 5 and 5.30 a.m. And then they'd work late into the evening, with store duties being shared amongst the family members, right? So they all lived as a really large family in the one home. There were 11 people.
0: That'd be crazy, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, so they moved to Delhi in 1989 to the end of uh, the beginning of the 90s. Bapal Singh, grandfather for the third generation, um, he was quite financially secure. He had farmlands and cattle to rear back when he uh, before he moved. He then sold the land and moved to Barari, where he remained until he dies. But uh, we'll we'll get to that. The family consisted of eleven people, not including Bapal Singh, the grandfather, and it. Uh, the oldest was eighty-year-old Narayani Devi, so she was married to Bapal Singh, right? But now she is the grandmother. She's the oldest in the house, so
0: she's like the matriarch, and he was like the patriarch yes. of the whole. Clan. Completely,
1: completely. All in all, there were seven women and four, four males. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there is. Pratibha Bhatia who was 57, Bravnesh who was 50, Lalit who was 45, Savita who was 48, Tina who was 42, Tina was married to Lalit, there's Priyanka who was 33, Nitu, who was 25, Monu or Menaka who was 23, Drav or Dashyant who was, it says 15 but some say they were 12 and Shivram who was also either 12 or 15, It's it's I struggled. The documentary said 12. Every else said 15. Okay. But they were the two kids. And then the other girls were studying. They were young. You know, uh, we'll get to what happened. On the 1st of July, 2018 and around 7am, um, a neighbor of the family noticed their general store wasn't open yet. The store was usually open between 5 and 5.30am. So the neighbor went to the family's house, which is, once again, very close to the um, the store. store. yeah, I'm pretty sure Lalit's plywood store is actually underneath, like the garage shed.
0: Oh right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, uh, the neighbor, went to the house and noticed that the doors were left unlocked. So he went inside. Again, neighbors in India, I see them so- see each other as extended family. They're super, super close. So this, right. yeah, they, the this family had a lot of very close-knit neighbours. Um, when he entered, he stood in the entrance for two minutes in shock. He quickly left, alerting his relative to call the police. As the streets of Sant Nagar were extremely overpopulated, word spread quickly. One neighbour recounted how his elderly mother had gone for a walk early in the morning And he remembers the beginning of the day from his mother running down the street, screaming and crying after hearing the news of what had been found at the Bhatia's family house. Head Constable Rajiv Tomar was contacted to get to the Bhatia's house immediately. He in fact had been the neighbor, uh, their neighbor before he became a cop. So he was super, super familiar with the neighborhood. He knew the neighbors, Mm -hmm. he knew Mm -hmm. the family. So he reached the house at around 730 So about 30 minutes after the neighbor had called, right? Now this is what was in the house. Trigger warning. At first he thought the family were gathered in the main room standing, but they, they seemed really odd, right? His eyes adjusted. He realized he was looking at 10 of the family members hanging from an iron grill on the ceiling.
0: Wow. Yep. And he thought they were standing there. How eerie.
1: Uh, Girl, there's a video,
0: there's photos.
1: It looks like they're just standing. It's Whoa. real it's I've seen the original. There's a video that was leaked from the scene. I'll get to that in a minute, but I saw it. It's super easy to look up. You guys literally just type it up and Reddit has it. But there's one scene, a one angle that the guy with the camera's panning and one of the ladies that's hanging. I thought she was a cop. She's just standing there. And then I'm like, holy shit, she's
0: dead. Because they actually look like they're alive.
1: They're just standing.
0: Yeah. So they've hung it, hung themselves so that basically their, their feet are just touching the ground.
1: Yeah, their, their feet are touching the ground.
0: Holy cow. Yeah.
1: Nine bodies were hanging from scarves and saris underneath a grill, while the tenth was found hanging opposite. So that's a lady that I just said was – because when all the cops come in, they're all standing at one side of the room. It's a small room. Looking at the nine bodies. Mm-hmm. And then th- there's one woman just hanging next to them in the corner, and it looks, I thought she was just a woman, like a normal, alive person. Wow. Um, they were all bound with colorful scarves, hands bound, and faces taped. The police officer described the scene and formation in which they were hanging as reminding him of a banyan tree. Quote.
0: Hang on, so it wasn't suicide? Girl. I presume that this was like a mass suicide. Just wait. This is why the their patient... hands were bound and their and their faces were taped. Uh
1: huh. Just wait. Okay. Trust okay. me. Trust me. You you end up going. I don't know. Don't know. It's crazy. Um. The police offered a yeah. Uh. So a banyan tree, which are the beautiful, big, big, uh, trees with the roots, and they have like vines hanging off them.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. yeah like real tropical ones. Yeah.
1: And he said, like branches of the tree suspended downward. It was almost as if they were hanging in peace. Yep. Gossip Mm. spread extremely quickly and soon the small street the house was located became packed with thousands of people. Rooftops, shop fronts and windows were flooded with onlookers trying to see into the crime scene. Oh my God. The streets were packed and police soon had to initiate crowd control. The media, from journalists to TV stations, were seen recording as much footage and information as they could find. Soon the news of the deaths are a national headliner all over India. The story, when it hit journalists, sounded like fake news because it was so insane. Like, imagine hearing that an entire family were found just hanging, but they were bound.
0: But also I bet at this early stage there's probably a lot of rumour and hearsay and people are probably hearing like they were shot and this person is hearing that they were, you know, that that they were stabbed and this person is hearing that they were hanging and this person is hearing that the the grandchild did it. And there's probably like a lot of hysteria about Mm. what actually happened.
1: Oh, 100%. When people panic, they say shit, you know. Plus it's like it doesn't make sense to have an entire family hanging—it doesn't make sense. I remember mm. when this came out, and being like, "That is creepy as hell." I, I remember it's seeing it on the news and going, "Yeah, that's that's scary." But right. looking into it is—it's this is crazy. Wild, yeah. So, as the chief mi- uh, minister, the local police force as well as the crime branch searched the house for clues trying to avoid the conspiracy theories that were already being thrown around. They discovered an 11th body in the bedroom, that of 80 year old Narayani Devi, who had appeared to have been strangled and was laying on the floor. Her face was found facing downward. A scarf similar to those on the other members were found around her neck. There was also a belt nearby matching with imprints found on one side of her neck. In hanging cases, usually the marks left on the necks go upward like the shape of a V. These didn't, so she had been strangled.
0: Right, yeah, I see what you mean.
1: Yep. In total, uh, there were 11 dead bodies and they were the entire family.
0: All similar time of death? Yep.
1: Yep. (laughs) So the specialists were then called in um, and they came from around the country, obviously because it had become... The leading
0: I guess in a small sort of area they have probably never seen anything like this that you know they're they're gonna have to call in the big guns to, to come in and investigate oh
1: completely like the the guy they the first cop they called in that I was talking about he was on his day off and like he he told his guys do not call me I'm exhausted mm-hmm. um and they'd called him in and literally the cops at the station just went we can't describe this we need yeah everything we need crowd control we need Everyone, everyone on this. Um, uh, Let's see. Okay, specialists were called in from around the country and even the best and most hardened professionals were left feeling sick after seeing this extremely unsettling crime scene. Each specialist that was called in all reacted the same way by saying, what is this? It didn't feel like a normal crime scene. Something was off. There was no indication of burglary. If it was suicide, why were they blindfolded and tied up? Could someone have poisoned them and then hung them up? Maybe one family member murdered them, then hung them all up to look like a suicide. Then committed a suicide themselves. Their feet were all touching the ground. That's that's the the thing that fucks me up. And I know this is like a, 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 a gross thing to talk about. It's, again, trigger warning, guys, but I had my mum watch the documentary and I sent her the original video Um, and because she's a psych nurse, she's obviously, unfortunately, had a lot of experience with people hanging themselves. Mm. And she said it is entirely possible to hang yourself while you're still standing up. It's it's doable.
0: But I think it would be almost like trying to die by holding your breath. Like your body is instinctually gonna take a breath.
1: Yeah, true. You but know? you start to get tired. Um if your if your hands and feet and faces were all bound and you couldn't see shit, your balance is off. Once one person falls and they fall on you and you can't get up, there's but you know what I mean? And then you're left mm-hmm. you're left stiff mm. and hanging. Because right. yeah, because when I first saw it, I'm just like that makes no sense. You could just stand up the entire time. But I know Is that, it's like really an older odd. person falling after they they've lost balance, and then you you're, you're all going to just topple, or you know you get tired. We don't know how long they were standing for.
0: Yeah, that's another thing. They could have been there for a while. Yep. So it's very 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 very
1: interesting. Uh, um, but the in a mass killing, it was it would also usually take more than one person to control eleven people. But then again, the crime scene didn't indicate any disturbances. Nothing was touched. Not even a little pot was out of place.
0: Like no sign of a struggle. Like, you know, chairs pushed over, glasses smashed, whatever.
1: No sign of breaking or entering. Nothing was stolen. Mm -hmm. It was fine, you know. Um, Specialists suggested that it was a staged hanging that took place after the initial murders. One of the men, um, Brovnish. Appeared to have tried to free himself. One of his hands were free and reaching for his neck, showing clear signs of struggle. Uh, and you can see that photo again if you look up all these. Uh, just look up the case. You see, or watch the the, the documentary. Uh, he's ha- he has his hand. His hand is basically caught in one of the ties around his neck. Right. So he yeah, w- there was signs of um
0: that he was trying to get out of the situation. It. Yeah. Yep. Right.
1: Uh, they had tape all over their mouths and their eyes, and they had cotton buds shoved into their ears.
0: Oh. So it's weird. so it's like complete like sensory deprivation. Yep.
1: Yep. Again, uh, I know having hearing problems myself. Once your you can't you know your ears are blocked, your balance is off, which would then you know lean right. another way. They could have lost balance and fallen and hang themselves. Yeah. Uh so the police had reached the scene at around 7:30 and by 7:40 a video of the crime scene had been leaked and un- uh, uploaded becoming viral again guys you can look this up but massive warning it is very off putting and i am mm-hmm. i i have a strong stomach Gemma you know i'm always sending you f- shit i find
0: i think you've got a stronger stomach than me but this <laughs> video
1: just Ugh, it's something else. It really is. Right. Uh, news started to spread and lean towards the notion that it wasn't a murder, but it was a mass suicide. Family members who had been called in from the country to come and speak to police. Uh, so these are like the the brothers of the, you know, the wives. Right. And, uh, yeah, aunties. the cousins. The- yeah, that sort of, yeah, they all came in um, and they cracked it because they're like, how dare you? this family wouldn't commit suicide, the police are lying, and, of course, that uh, caused people to come up with more conspiracy theories. Um, they said the only answer was murder. Their family could not have committed suicide. So they
0: were really, really offended that by any offended. suggestion that it would have been any kind of dying by suicide. Yeah, and
1: these people are very religious too. Right. This family was super, super religious. Even opposing political parties were using this amount of attention as opportunities to campaign for their own parties. There's one, there's footage of a politician out the front being like, if you follow me, the police won't lie about crime. All this shit, it's crazy. Right. It is thousands of people crawling the buildings. It's wild. Wow. Um, Animal activist Sanjav Mohaprata. Mohapa, pro, Mohapatra, I get to say his name once so I'm sorry Sanjay, uh, said he was watching the news reports and saw in the footage the family's sole survivor, the dog, and no one seemed to care. It struck it struck me that I had to rescue that baby. He was tied to the same grill where the family was found hanging. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy was the 12th member of the family and perhaps if Tommy hadn't been tied upstairs um, the family would be alive. And, yeah, the, all the footage shows this poor dog tied on the roof to the grill that they hang themselves on.
0: But, but he was, like, tied to it just to restrain upstairs. him but not he to kill him. He was on him. the roof.
1: So if you think of the building, it's, like, a block building with multiple levels. Yeah. And their roof, which also had their toilet on it, was the roof of the main room where they hang themselves and they had this weird skylight thing with grill like bars but looked up oh, into the sky right so the dog was tied to the bars from the outside on the roof yeah and could look down through the sky window through the bars that the family were tied to so the dog would run right. the entire
0: thing Right, yeah. yeah. It was It's lucky that they found him because he could have been up there for ages. Oh, the
1: whole, all the police were on the roof because everyone was searching the apartment for clues, but no one okay. touched the dog, I think, because, you know. So did Animals, you know. Yeah, anyway. So uh, police then, uh, okay, they, they soon bought 11 ambulances to take the bodies to the mortuary. In total, there were seven dead women and four dead men. Dr. Manisha Pradhan, who was the autopsy doctor for the case, said the post-mortem took place at around 3.30 that day. So it's pretty quick. Um, The bodies were cut down from the places. That's really quick. I think it's very quick. Um, uh, And they were placed in the body bags still with all the scarves and the ties attached to them. But the footage of the 11 ambulances driving out is is quite, uh, it's very bizarre. It's, it's okay. really messed up. Police then noticed security cameras across from the house and got a hold of them. Once police watched the footage, starting from the previous day up until the present, they soon knew, noticed something really, really strange. Tina, along with the youngest members of the family, are seen carrying stools into the house, as well as wires and cables. They also fan out the scarves and saris that were used for the hangings were purchased by the family from the local market. The footage from that night only showed the movements of the now deceased family members with no outsiders entering the house in the two days leading up to the 11 deaths. Invest- okay. Investigators were starting to think the whole thing was methodically planned. And you, and when you see this footage, it's they look casual. It's at night. They're just, there's no rushing. They're just carrying stools into the house. And these stools can be seen in the photos and the footage from the crime scene.
0: Just like they're bringing the shopping in.
1: Oh, they used, yeah, they, they used them. I, I think some of them used them to stand on and then jump. Um, right. And the wires were from Lalit's uh, plywood store and they were used to bound everyone's hands and feet.
0: So it's not like they were bringing them in, like, fearful, like someone was no, threatening it was them to like, like, take them inside. They were just taking them in, like, casually. Yeah,
1: they were chatting with each other. They were they were just bringing up the weapons of death, pretty much like they were right. bringing up parts of the crime scene. It's crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Um, searches for a suicide note were unsuccessful, having checked near the usual places like the family shrine where they would pray. Um, they had found a ritual had been performed the night before as they found remains of fresh ash. Instead of a suicide note, they did discover a diary, which was like jammed near their little temple. Then they found similar diaries in another room. Soon the entire house was combed and 11 diaries were found. In total, the 11 diaries were dated back from 2007 through to the present 2018. The last entry was just before the deaths. So this is where right. shit starts going like... What What's going on? Yep. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now a little, little info on the family, and this is from... Uh, People that were close to them because at this point we're probably thinking, oh, they're fucking crazy religious people, right? Or they're uneducated. No, 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 or,
0: yeah, they're the are, I don't know, it's substance abuse, yeah, there's something or wrong, whatever.
1: With them. No, no, no. Um, there were three generations living under the same roof, many of the members were extremely smart and well educated.
0: They, they seemed to be quite respected very in respected. the community.
1: Totally. They had two businesses. And, like, hardworking
0: and, yeah, you know.
1: Total. They were highly respected. Um, they were high-functioning members of society. They presented as a typical middle-class Indian family. Three of the children were currently studying and were getting great grades. Priyanka had just been engaged about 14 days prior and was preparing on getting married. Savita was described by her brothers as being caring, hardworking, loving, and the glue that held the family together. They were a religious family who the neighbors loved. The neighborhood kids would play with their youngest until 11 p.m. most nights. They would host parties in their house. Only a few days before the death, neighbors and friends recounted how they all had danced and celebrated right in the room they were later then later found hanging. Tina, the wife of Lalit, had a master's degree in
0: sociology. So really educated people. They're
1: educated. Um, A psychologist says the family displayed something that many families all over the world shared, that they appear normal and intact when really they have deep secrets that need to be hidden and preserved at all costs. So as we move on, in 2007, Lalit's father, Bapal Singh, died of natural causes. Papal was the head of the family, was kind and made all the decisions. After he died, Lalit became extremely introverted and his beh- behavior changed drastically. Lalit was the youngest among all his brothers and sisters but took over as the head of the family, making the decisions. But was
0: he the son of the patriarch that died? Yes.
1: yes. He was the youngest too. So, okay. I think um he was described as being super mature, so everyone just kind of allowed, like, they went, oh, Lalit is
0: obviously. And was he the one um, that was around, like, late 20s, early 30s?
1: Yeah, he was. Let me see. Let me go back to my notes. Lalit was 45.
0: Oh, okay, he right. Had an, okay, so he had an older brother. Quite a bit younger than his than his father then. yes, Right. Yep.
1: He also had previously suffered from a head injury when he was younger as well as experienced trauma after being trapped inside a burning building which later caused PTSD. Um, After the incident in the fire, Lalit didn't talk for an entire year um, with most people believing he had damaged his vocal cords. Lalit also started displaying signs of schizophrenia. Um, But we will talk about Lalit in the next episode because there's a whole mountain of shit we need to include for us to consider the final verdict of this case because it's crazy. Right Now, weird things, and this is the cool part, uh, this is the spooky part. Weird stuff started to happen um, while there was so much attention surrounding the case because people were camped out in front of the house. They had time to sit. Everyone was filming. If you look at footage, everyone has their phone and they're filming everything. Um, Yeah. so I think after standing around people started to like really study the area obviously because you put your own little detective hat on and you're like "Hmm, maybe I can see a clue yeah but people started noticing shit um one man who was waiting for more information at the front of the house looked up to the exterior of the building and he noticed these weird little marks so he pulls out his phone and he zooms in And saw that these marks were cut off pipes coming out of the the wall of the family's home. So they're like just a group of little pipes, right? Surprisingly and creepily, seven of these pipes were facing downwards with four pipes sticking straight out. Among the dead, seven were women and four were men. The pattern of the pipes are exactly the same as the hanging bodies were found, as in, like, identical to. The positions the women were dead, and the positions the men were dead, and then there, there's two other uh, there's two other pipes across from this cluster that represent the other the tenth woman hanging the and the grandmother dead in the exact same position. Everything <clears throat> it's weird as hell. Um, media saw that this guy was going. Oh my god, the pipes! And then they started reporting it, and. Then there were rumours that, oh my god, the bodies were placed to mimic these pipes um, or the pipes were there to let the souls escape from the building. Soon everyone started noticing weird synchronicities. There were 11 bars on a grill attached to the house. There were 11 windows and 11 vents. Um, Okay. Obviously there were 11 diaries.
0: Yes. I wonder if the number 11 has any significance in their culture. Yeah,
1: you know, I never, I never heard anything about 11 being a significant number because everyone interviewed in this is Indian and they all mm-hmm. say, they're like, oh, it's just a weird coincidence. But even the cops were like, that's weird. The psychologists were like, no, nah, it's nothing. But even like police were going, no, that's spooky as hell. Um, yeah, right. Uh, they, the media then tracked down the construction worker who had built the pipes into the wall and said there was no supernatural meaning behind it. They were simply installed for light and ventilation and that his builders were too lazy and didn't bother cutting down the pipes that were bent. But despite him saying this, the police confirmed that the pipes led to nothing. They did not ventilate anything and they did not bring them Oh, in light. really?
0: They were almost just for show?
1: They were just there. The police were like, there's no ventilation or light coming through them. For that side of the house it's yeah it's weird um and we will come back to that construction worker because he comes back later in the case but that's all i'm saying for this week
0: <gasps> that was i can't wait
1: wait till we get to the diaries wait till oh we get to the God. diaries. <laughs> this is so fascinating i am just it gave oh, me a lot out. of nightmares
0: I'm freaking hanging out. Thank you so much for researching that. Oh, and, um, yeah. I'm going to, this week, I'm just going to so want to watch the documentary. No, 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 for don't sure. watch it. Don't watch it.
1: And look, <laughs> if anyone is listening to us, which there are, thank you, fam, Um, don't watch the documentary if you already haven't. Um, but if wait till want, the next episode. Yeah. Uh, Google search photos and look up the video. Yeah. But just wait because shit hits the fan.
0: Well, like I said to you I'm I'm doing a I'm doing a paranormal this week. Technically it's not a paranormal. I gave you a very umbrella term because it's actually oh. a cryptid. <gasps> and it's the most freaking obvious cryptid of it's the king of all cryptids.
1: Oh, can I guess?
0: Go ahead. Oh
1: shit. King of all cryptids. We've done Mothman. We've done Mothman. Higher. Bigfoot.
0: It's the bear. <laughs>
1: here ah, yes i'm so excited are you gonna talk about all the like bigfoot explorers who go and stand in the forest and just go "Hmm?" some of them
0: but i think because so today what i'm doing is like the history of the bigfoot legend love it and then next time i'm gonna do like this sort of the 70s onwards oh so Uh, because there was just so much stuff there really is so much stuff so my sources were um i watched um on the trail of bigfoot parts one and two by seth breedlove seth breedlove is a really amazing filmmaker he makes films about all sorts of cryptids he's done mothman um boggy creep monster he's done bigfoot and he's just you can get all of his documentaries on amazon amazon prime video and he's just, they're super, super interesting. Okay. Um, also, Live Science, Finding Bigfoot the TV show, one of my favourite shows of life. <laughs> uh, the book Bigfoot, The Life of Times on a, of a Legend by Joshua Blubless and Wikipedia, OVS, yeah. uh, Oregon Live, Atlas Obscura, OVS, and the World Net Daily. So what is Bigfoot?
1: Bigfoot. Isn't there rumours that he's the missing link?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. That's what they think. Yeah. So according to live science, Bigfoot is a large ape-like creature some people believe inhabits North America.
1: Mm. And some people – sorry. And
0: Frankston. And Frankston. (laughs) Some people have been reporting sightings of this creature for centuries and it's mostly described as being between six and ten feet tall, has red, black or brown hair, sometimes covering its entire body and face and sometimes with patches missing. Like I've read about stories where, like, its face has fur or where its face doesn't have fur. Maybe it has mange. That's what I'm thinking. That I, that did go through my head. That's or a
1: possibility. Like, its whole belly
0: will be exposed. I mean,
1: think of all the sightings of bears that have mange, and people are like, what are
0: they? Loads of animals with mange. Mm. Like, then you get possums on the peninsula with mange. Yeah. yeah. There are some reports of lighter colored Bigfoot as well, even white ones in the pretty. U.S. So, although this is pretty rare.
1: Isn't it, it? Wouldn't that be a um? What's the other one? Iceman. What's the other? A yeti. Yeah.
0: Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's jet setting. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes people say their eyes shine in the darkness, like a cat's eyes or a fox, like I shine. And some people say their eyes glow red or yellow of their own volition. That's
1: an exaggeration.
0: Mothmans do.
1: Yeah, but that's a Mothman. He can fucking do anything. We're talking about a a big monkey.
0: I love Mothman. He's the best. I,
1: yeah. I can't wait to give you my Mothman embroidery.
0: Yay! Because, <laughs> okay, it's so a backstory where Esther was like, she's really into embroidery now, and she asked me, what kind of embroidery do you want? And I said, well, I want um, a heavenscape patch.
1: Which is hard to do, bro.
0: It is and so hard. Like, Those
1: things are made from machines, not little hands.
0: And then she's like, it's really hard. I'm doing Mothman. <laughs> I was like, yes!
1: <laughs> yeah, I basically was like, girl, I'm giving you two options it's mothman or mothman Moth- with mothman. some glitter pretty much yeah right
0: <laughs> So Bigfoot is traditionally super elusive, and it's pretty rare for people to see it more than once, if at all. But there are people out there who have claimed to see Bigfoot three or four times. Mm. Bigfoot have been reported as screeching or howling in the woods, leaving large footprints which have been photographed or moulded with plaster. Another thing that they do is wood knocks where they apparently use large tree branches to knock on larger trees, like kind of like with a baseball bat and they just knock on them. That's spooky. So we're going to be concentrating in this episode pretty much on the US and Canadian version of Bigfoot. Um because there is a version of Bigfoot pretty much in every country. You've got Asia, you've got Himalayas, you've got Australia, we've got the Yowie, which Mm. we've talked about before. Mm. Um, But I'm just going to be talking about the one that we know as like the Sasquatch Bigfoot-style creature. Um, And Sasquatch is generally what they use for the the name for it in Canada, Mm. whereas in the US it tends to be more known as Bigfoot.
1: Because Americans have the... it's too hard to remember Sasquatch. They have to go Bigfoot.
0: He had big feet. Foot <laughs> <much> big. <laughs> Sorry, Americans. So up until the nineteen fifties or so, Bigfoots. Oh, and fun big fact. Feet. No, it um, can't be big feet.
1: It's Bigfoots, isn't it?
0: Bigfoots. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, Bigfoots. yeah.
1: It pisses me off.
0: I hate it. Uh, so apparently, like, if you take a video of a Bigfoot, it's called big footage. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) Which I thought was cute. It's great. So, up until the 1950s or so, Bigfoots were known as wild men or hairy men, Uh, especially in the time like before white people knew about apes and gorillas, before they were sort of, you know, um, discovered quotation marks by scientists or whoever.
1: White people probably saw them and were like, Oh, time to time to murder every as many as we can find.
0: Well look, this is the thing. Oh, new species, it's really beautiful. Shoot it. Shoot it with guns, quick.
1: Totally. The British were all over it.
0: Yeah. So before that time when people, like white people I mean, generally knew about sort of like gorillas were a thing, they would after yeah, after that they started calling Bigfoot like the wood ape or ape men of the forest. Those types of things. Wow. Another name for it was American Yeti, but that was a little bit later, sort mm. of after the early horror movies. Had the yeah. Yeti
1: already been discovered at this point?
0: The Yeti was already a thing. I, I love believe.
1: how it's like discovered It's like we can't confirm this.
0: Oh yeah, like ah. you can you can see one Is in it, Melbourne oh, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you could if you go on a...
0: I've got one on my Facebook friends list. I've got a few. <laughs> um. So going back further, First Nation people knew about Bigfoot, of course, yeah. and they had their own stories and beliefs of the legend.
1: So did they have drawings? Is there art?
0: That's a really good question. I didn't look into that, but I would really like to know the answer to that.
1: Because if there are things like cave drawings or, you know, from these early, early, you know, I would completely, one hundred percent, believe them. Believe, yeah, that would be a confirmation for me.
0: I'm going to look into that. Yeah, that's going to be a part two. Yes. Um. So some tribes saw Bigfoot as a kind of protector of the forest. Mm-hmm. Um. And others referred to it as like a big brother.
1: Cute. And
0: other other tribes, they saw it more like like a vicious beast that would come down from the mountain and steal the children Mm. you know those types of things so if to to some it was kind of like a, a protector and some it was like a villain so in this documentary that I watched the Seth Breedlove one they look at a few big bigfoot stories going back to gold rush times um with miners having like these crazy experiences while they were out in the really deep wilderness areas mining for gold so what? one famous
1: like I would love to be mining for gold but also being seen. uh um-
0: seeing cryptids, yeah.
1: Heck yes. Imagine that, getting precious gold and running into Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> and going, damn it, I left my iPhone in twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're gonna like this in-, in particular because one famous case, we go back to a place we've visited before on the podcast, the Ape Caves.
1: Ape caves, ape caves. That's where they, um, um.
0: Life is a sandwich. shit sandwich. I like walking in the ape caves. We're back at the ape caves. Back to season one. Whoa, early. So around where the ape caves are, the place is called Ape Canyon. Okay. So this happened in July 1924. And I looked up and I was like, ape caves? Wait a minute. That's a chick that had to fight off That's the guy that was sent to kill her. Yeah. And I looked and I Googled it and she was in Portland, which is also in Oregon. So it makes perfect sense. Ah,
1: full circle moment.
0: Full circle. And
1: Oregon, you were talking about your fact from the freezer was Oregon,
0: wasn't it? Exactly.
1: Oh my God. And it had to do with the water. And I did angle angler fish.
0: And blowing shit up, which is what gold miners do. Okay. So, The ape cave, uh, the ape canyon encounter happened in July 1924, a summer night in the gorge on the east side of uh, a place called Mount St. Helens, which was later known as ape canyon. Oh, they're running with a theme here, aren't they? I have to admit the details are sketchy, but it was 100 years ago or 98 Uh, years ago.
1: We'll let it slip this one time.
0: So it's not like they were Facebooking like live or anything like that. I mean, have you
1: read the Bible? Was that accurate at any point? (laughs) That was written what?
0: One word. Sketch. A
1: thousand years
0: ago? (laughs) Two. Oh. Um, A group of five gold prospectors had built a cabin there in this gorge. And one night they reported the cabin being pelted with rocks and stones. Oh, Blair Witch. So they looked outside and they saw four huge bipedal animals which, because they're American, they all started to shoot at.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, bipedal. Right.
0: Bipedal, so, like, meaning that they walk on too Yeah, They're covered in long black hair, reported the Oregonian, which is the newspaper, relating the descriptions offered by the men. Their ears are about four inches long and stick straight up. They have four toes, short and stubby. <laughs> the witnesses estimated each animal weighed about 400 pounds and they called them mountain devils. Ooh. Which I like that. Same. But they sound like the way that they say it they they sound like werewolves. Well,
1: the ears, I mean you can't think uh see that that the the, the, we, the ears are weird.
0: And four toes?
1: Yeah, I mean if you have big feet you'd think you'd need quite a few toes to
0: balance. Balance,
1: not four big to- unless they're like wide. We could talk about toes all night, Gemma.
0: <laughs> so one of the dudes, Fred Beck, shot one of them. Of course. And he watched it fall into a gorge, like fall like over the cliff. <sighs> and
1: Let me guess, he lost But track it of only the body. Made... Sorry? He couldn't find the body. There was no proof.
0: Well, it was dark. Of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it only made the animals more angry so they hurled more rocks at the cabin. Good. The siege lasted the entire night. And at one point, one of the monsters even reached through a damaged part of the cabin and grabbed an axe. Damn, no weapons. In some way or another, it was wrestled from him or he dropped it or something. They also broke into the roof by dropping a boulder through it and hitting Beck on the head, who was unconscious for two hours.
1: That's what you get for shooting into the dark. Like, come on,
0: dickhead. So in the morning, the Bigfoot creatures went away and the men eventually left the cabin and returned to the nearby town of Spirit Lake where they told of their terrifying encounter with the ape men or mountain devils. Mountain devils, yeah. So another case was called the Ostman case Mm -hmm. where this guy, Albert Ostman, was on his own camping in British Columbia in Canada, also in 1924. He's a lumberjack and he's just gone out camping for a few days for a laugh. He's in his sleeping bag and in the middle of the night a creature picks him up and carries him for like three hours through the forest.
1: Can you imagine if it was just a a lady of the night or like a wandering lover, a potential lover that just wanted to go on a romantic walk?
0: It's possible,
1: but... Was he awake for the entire three hours? Because that's such an exhausting...
0: Yeah, apparently road. it was, like, super uncomfortable. Oh, it's so funny for three hours. <laughs> so when he... he finally, this, the, the creature stops and he comes into this area where there's the whole family of Sasquatches. Oh, my God. And there's like it turns out it was the father Sasquatch that stole him from his camp, and there was also the mom Sasquatch, and then there was two children Sasquatches.
1: Oh God, that would be scary, but it's so funny.
0: And he he says that for the entire time he stayed there, they ate this sweet tasting grass. I don't know what, what? it was. So they
1: didn't even eat him. They just no, they didn't eat him. They just ate dinner with him.
0: Yeah, they like looked after him. That's
1: so fun. I love it. Have you seen um, Tenacious D in The Pig of Destiny with Jack Black and Kyle Gass?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Uh, No.
1: What? Anyway, there's a Sasquatch played by Jack Black. You have to watch it. Um, He eats magic mushrooms and he hallucinates himself into a Sasquatch. Um, It's an incredible movie. It should have won an Oscar.
0: Because I think their music is great. Uh,
1: The best. They are my favorite. But um, yeah, there's a scene where he's a Sasquatch and this whole time you're describing this scenario.
0: See, there's no reason why he can't play Spring-Heeled Jack. <laughs> if he's already been Sasquatch.
1: It would be a great movie. It'd be like um, Nacho Libre, but European. He, he's incredibly talented. His singing voice is like that of angels.
0: It really is. It really
1: is. He's up there with one of the best vocal ranges and abilities in music history i could go on and on about jack black
0: so listen so some reports say that albert spent three days with the sasquatches and some say it was wikipedia says it was a whole week i don't know but every time he tried to escape one of the parents would stop him they'd be like no
1: no no no, sonny you're gonna stay and eat some grass with us
0: uh, so, finally, he gets the, da- the dad Sasquatch to eat some of his tobacco and he gets kind of sleepy. Oh. So, Albert makes a run for it. Oh, no, um,
1: don't give tobacco to vulnerable people. You know how Sasquatch- addictive he, that shit he'll is? He'll be
0: fine. He's giant. Okay. It's not like you're giving it to a mouse or something. Um, but he doesn't tell anyone about his experience for, like, 30 years until the whole Bigfoot thing starts to get popular.
1: Ah, tricky, tricky.
0: So many sightings take place famously within the Pacific Northwest in the areas of British Columbia, Washington State, Oregon, and Northern California. These are areas with massive amounts of forested parts. Mm-hmm. that go for miles and miles and miles. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard to imagine that Bigfoot could go for years out in that wilderness without being seen. Now, my sister wants me to go hiking with her in Oregon. Oh, God, no, do it. I am not- You know, I am not that person. Are you kidding
1: kidding me?
0: No, no, no. There's one. There's only one reason why I'm going. Bigfoot.
1: That's what I'm. Oh, okay. So you are doing
0: it. I, oh yeah, we don't have a date, but we're going to, we're going to to do it. I don't
1: care if you feel unfit. I don't care if you're scared of wood. I don't, whatever.
0: I will go on the treadmill and the stair machine at the gym every night. I will train.
1: Girl, cover yourself in like, dog piss i don't know anything to attract a bigfoot research ways you could get as close to a bigfoot as you can practice the mating call sounds
0: i'm gonna be collecting little pieces of fur off leaves put All fur stuff. on your body baggies.
1: be completely nude except for the fur but leave the belly and the face out to replica to replicate the mange.
0: I'm so it's so hot in this room. Right, you're about to pass out. I was just like, I was all like, hey, you can't spell mange without jam, but it was then I realized it was so not funny. <laughs> <laughs> did you say, did you say so that? then we come to the Jerry Crew encounter in 1958. And the Seth Breedlove documentary suggests that this is the time when the word Bigfoot started to be used as the main name for the hairy ape man oh so this dude jerry crew he's serious he was a logger in northern california who was clearing forest area and when he climbed up on his bulldozer one morning he looks down and he sees a huge like man like print in the mud
1: a man a man like print
0: <laughs> man like but it was big like a would be- like a snow angel no 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 a foot a man foot
1: (laughs) someone (laughs) someone just went for a walk that morning and fell flat
0: into the mud and then got up and was like oh like a a murder trace (laughs) 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 so some of his colleagues all come around to look and they start swapping stories of other huge tracks that they've seen at other work sites And they also said that they'd, they're like, Hey, you know, we've had some stuff like stolen off the farm and stuff. Like, you know, they take like tires and that one of them took like a fuel drum Mm -hmm. and then we found it like, and there was foot tracks all around the area. And then they found the fuel drum or the tire or whatever, like thrown into the forest and like none of the surrounding trees were like damaged or anything like that. So it must've been thrown by something that was real strong. So and then they also said um, that some of their dogs had been taken as well, oh. which is something that happens with a lot of Bigfoot sightings is that sometimes dogs run towards the the sound of the Bigfoot and then they're never to be seen again.
1: I wonder if they're, like, collecting them.
0: No, I think they're snacks. Well, they eat grass. They might be herbivores. Dogs generally come home if they can. Well, look, it might have been one of those ones that, you know, some some areas they're like protector of the forest, the big brother of the forest, and then some areas they're going to smell your children. Demons. So yes. it depends what area they're in. True. So over the next few weeks, the tracks would appear again and again. The men knew it wasn't made by a human or a bear. So Jerry Crew traced a drawing of one of them, of one of the tracks, and he took it to a local taxidermist to see what he thought and the taxidermist was like well
1: yep that's a foot
0: foot (laughs) it's like you don't have a lot of detail here but this is what we're gonna do i'm gonna teach you how to make a mold so if you see it again take a mold just don't take a trace so he makes a mold next time he sees one of the prints and he shows it to the taxidermist who shows it to another taxidermist and they're like this is bullshit so Jerry's like, well, come down and see it. Like, these tracks are everywhere. Just come down one day. Um, but I guess these taxidermists were like, nah, it's all right, because they never went.
1: Mm. Goddamn dermis. So,
0: but the rumours made it to a local journalist called Andrew Genzoli, who writes in the Humboldt Times um, and we know Humboldt is the area where they grow a lot of weed. I love it. <laughs> Humboldt County. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've the seen the most there, but... believable people. Anyway, I, I think it was before it became like the Humboldt County that we know now. But like, that's where like you know the nuns. Um, the nuns of the, the Lily lily nuns? Oh, my talk favourite nuns. Nuns of the Lily or sisters of the, the Lily or whatever they're the, called. I'm pretty the, sure.
1: Are they in Humboldt County? Uh, no, I think they're
0: – I don't
1: think they're there. I can't remember.
0: I'm not sure. There's a really good series on Netflix about Humboldt County called Murder Mountain. It's super, yeah, super interesting.
1: Yeah, that's, so that's what that is.
0: So – this journalist, Andrew Genzoli, he writes in the Humboldt Times about the area having a relative of the abominable snowman. Oh, but yes, he. Not- and he doesn't really take it very seriously. He's like, ha, oh, you know, slow news day. Let's just put this in the newspaper and see, you know, what it take up some space. But then the community, the community starts talking, and Genzoli realizes that people are really interested in this.
1: They've probably seen Bigfoot for years, and then like finally the media is like, and everyone's
0: probably been scared to say something. So now, you know, they're in like the barber shop or they're in the little grocery store or whatever, and they're like, "Hey, remember that night we were drinking beers on the porch and we saw that like giant man?" Like, (laughs) yeah, I remember that. (laughs) So he gets this picture of jerry with his foot mold yep uh and when the photographer asks him to smile in the photo he says he doesn't want to smile because people might accuse him of trickery
1: Mm, because you never trust a smiling man
0: no especially
1: one (laughs) holding the the mold of a foot he's like no one will believe me if i'm smiling but here is a photo of me with a foot the size of my torso
0: we should do that for our next photo shoot. Like black and white photos of us not like smiling. Not smiling with 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 Bigfoot feet.
1: Let's do it. Book it in, Angel.
0: And so after that, journalists come from New York, LA, freaking Ooh, they've made it. Chicago. They all want to know about the Bigfoot foot. <laughs> so they wanna know more. That was kind of when Bigfoot became known as Bigfoot. Yep. And that was when, what was his name, Ernest, uh, sorry, Albert, you know, the guy that got carried away by the oh, big yeah, foot. yeah, That was around the time that he came out with his story, that he thought it was kind of safe to come out with his story because other people were seeing it too.
1: Cute. They're all coming out of the closet.
0: So, and I think also it has a lot to do with the movies that were coming out in the 50s as well. Like, you know, we've got UFOs, flying saucers, and yep. we've got monster movies, we've got, you know, creatures from the Black Lagoon and all this stuff. And I think people were really into kind of like the monster thing. Yep, yep. So finally, we have the Patterson-Gimlin film, which is the famous, the famous photo.
1: Is it a photo or footage? It's like, a video. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a, it's a one-minute long video. Mm. So now we're in the 1960s, which, of course, is this famous film that everybody, when they think of Bigfoot, they think of this Patterson Gimlin film, which is in 1967. Yeah. And it's the most famous Bigfoot, big-footage ever taken, allegedly. This is the uh, 59-second long grainy film that you've seen with the hunched-over Bigfoot walking through a rocky stream and it's apparently a female Bigfoot and she looks over her shoulder at the camera like real quick and then she sort of lumbers away.
1: Yeah, it's quite funny.
0: I would love to think that it was real. I'd love to as well. I want to think that it's real I don't think it's real, but I would. I want to. I want to believe.
1: I, w- I would love to believe, but it looks like a man in a suit. Yeah, but right. for history purposes, everyone should watch the video. Exactly. If you haven't seen it, where have you been? It's on YouTube.
0: Yeah, it's on YouTube. So the film was taken at Bluff Creek in Northern California. Bluff. So We're all staying around. Well, exactly. Right. Like, like bullshitters River.
1: You're just you're bluffing, yeah. mate yeah (laughs) telling porky pies
0: so uh it was taken like actually it was only a few miles from the border of oregon so we're Mm. really staying in this area the two filmmakers were bob gimlin and roger patterson and they for their entire lives they denied it was a hoax now hoax Bob Gimlin is still alive, but Roger Patterson actually died in 1972, so for only five years after this, um, and he died from cancer. So many people may believe that this film could have been taken um, during a random encounter with Bigfoot, like having a picnic and there's Bigfoot, like, you know, there's my kids playing in the stream, oh, there's Bigfoot. And that's what I wanted to know, but it turns out Roger Patterson was, like, a huge Bigfoot believer. Okay. And he, after reading about them in the 1950s, he later began what, what we now know as Squatching, which is, like, going out for the weekend into, like, the wilderness and looking, actively looking for Bigfoot. Yeah.
1: They do whole, like, tours and stuff of that now, don't they?
0: Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah.
1: you should. If they don't, you should start one, Gem, when you're there.
0: Take taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so as he was, like, squatching, um, he claimed to see fresh tracks while, you know, like he was really obsessed with this whole Bigfoot thing. He wanted
1: to see something so bad that everything started to look like a... a...
0: I think it was very that. Yeah. Um, and he even wrote a self-published book in 1966 called Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? And this is only what, a year before the film Mm. happens to come out. But his book was a collection of newspaper articles, maps, and accounts from people who claimed to have seen Bigfoot. So later, in 1967, he and Gimlin, see, this is the thing that makes me think the whole thing is just full of shit. He yeah. and Gimlin started shooting a mockumentary, like a film, about some cowboys who go on an expedition with an old miner and a Native American as their guides to find Bigfoot. Okay, Patterson got a group of volunteers together to help make the film and, like, Gimlin was, like, the old um, Native American guy. Wait, and- he
1: starred in it himself.
0: I don't know if he was an actor. Actors. I think he was more like the writer and the and the um the director. Right. But yeah, like the, his friends, like he recruited all of his mates to be like the cast and crew. Oh. Anyway, so <laughs> the exact spot of the film, and this is interesting, was unclear until 2011 because there was a lot of foliage in it. the area where it was shot. It had recently had floods. And so there was a lot of, like, um, foliage that was growing over the area. Yep. So when people went out to try to investigate in that area for Bigfoot sightings, they couldn't actually find it because it looked completely different.
1: Wow. And it was only in
0: 2011 that someone actually found the exact spot of, of where it was. So the day that it happened, it was just Patterson and Gimlin out in the wilderness at Bluff Creek on October 20, 1967. They had taken a couple of horses and it's not clear as to whether if they were filming their movie or if they were just going out Bigfoot hunting or if they were going camping or whatever or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they're riding upstream and they see this huge tree that's blown over and it's massive. Like it's as big as a house. And all the roots are sticking up in the air. So they have to ride around this big tree. Yep. And there next to the creek is this apparently female Bigfoot. So Patterson said he was only about seven and a half metres away from the creature. So he was really close. Patterson's horse freaks out.
1: His horse didn't freak out beforehand because I know from experience that your horse will pick up on shit before you do. I'm amazed that the horse only reacted after the people saw it.
0: Like, when we take my sister's horse out, like, you know, for early morning walks and stuff, like, that horse will see kangaroos, like, that, yeah. before we do. Like, we'll be like, what are you looking at? And it will be like, oh, my God, there's a kangaroo right there. Yeah. Like, they can pick up on stuff, like, so easily. Anyway, so he falls off the horse, gets his camera out of the saddlebag, And then he runs While the
1: the horse is freaking out, he manages to pull out an old camera from the 60s. That's,
0: that's you know, that's massive. (laughs) That's as big as, like, my dog. Literally. (laughs) Puts it on his shoulder. Um, (laughs) So he runs after, so Gimlin describes being in shock but he gets his rifle out and Patterson runs after the Bigfoot and films it until it disappears into the forest and the tape runs out. Mm-hmm. So if you watch the film, it's actually like super, super shaky until like he sort of steadies it mm. and then he films it, mm. like walking across. They round up the horses and track the Bigfoot for a minute or so uh, without filming, but they lose it in the forest. And they decide instead to take some plaster casts of the, the tracks So they call the Bigfoot Patty, and it seems to be known as that name in the Bigfoot world, like the Patty video. Mm. Uh, And some people actually call her Queen Kong as well. So Patterson's story changes a bit over time. He first claimed the creature to be six foot six tall. Mm -hmm. But then later he changes it to seven feet tall. And then later he changes, changes it to seven feet six tall.
1: It's bullshitting.
0: Exactly, so which sucks. sucks. But Gimlin estimates it was about six feet tall, so that's pretty different Mm. from six foot seven. It's that's like a really big difference. Yes. In a 1999 interview with Chris Packman for the BBC, Gimlin said that for some time I was totally convinced no one could fool me and, of course, I'm an older man now and I think there could have been the possibility, but it would have to have be been really well planned by Roger. So what he's saying is if it was a hoax, mm. he wasn't in on it. Mm. Uh, so fast forward, in 19... Uh, sorry, in 2004... A local guy to Patterson's area called Bob Hieronymus claimed that he wore a costume in order to make the video. There you go. It- well, there's actually, there's a couple of guys that have come up come out and said, I'm the Bigfoot.
1: Uh, it's like the John Ramsey case all over again.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so this Bob Hieronymus guy, he said he spoke to the paranormal investigator Greg Long who had spent years investigating the video long said he traced the bigfoot costume to a guy called philip morris in north california and this guy apparently specialized in making gorilla suits if that's even a thing wow morris we're in the wrong industry
1: tell me about morris it
0: said he sold the suit for $435 to an amateur documentary maker named Roger Patterson and long later said they made a gentleman's agreement that Bob would get in the suit and walk in front of the camera for for $1,000. But Bob says that there was no agreement and he didn't get paid anything. He said, I was never paid a dime for that. No, sir. Sure, I want to make some money. I feel after 36 years I should get some of it. Um, Mm. So Bob claims he didn't wear a suit from Morris, this guy, this gorilla suit guy. He said that Patterson made the suit after skinning a red-coloured horse.
1: That's not horse,
0: though. And and he said it stunk, like the suit really stunk, which is weird because, like, if you've seen the video, that Bigfoot is really fluffy. It's fluffy. And I know that's – Like,
1: sure, there are ponies – that have that sort of hair usually like winter time totally.
0: but not that fluffy it's
1: like a ra- it's like orange carpet fluffy orangutan fluffy it's a shag yeah it's a shag rug
0: so Bob's mother nephew and friend did say that they saw an ape costume in Bob's car after the video was shot and it stayed there for quite a while. I think he was, like, hiding it, and his friend, Russ Bohannon, said that Bob admitted he was the Bigfoot to him in the late 1960s.
1: Can you imagine just being, like, this guy just – he's had, like, 20 years of lost sleep. He's got the shakes. He's, like, chain-smoking, and he's, like – Has he, though? I need to admit something that's been on my mind for the past 20 years. Otherwise, I'm going to die, you know, an unhappy man, and then being, like, I, I – put a monkey suit on and, and fooled the world. How, how, just so funny.
0: But I think some people just want some notoriety before they die. Like what's my legacy? <laughs> I'm the Bigfoot foot in the Patterson Gimlin film. <laughs> I,
1: I would do that, but I would do it as like a funny prank. I wouldn't be like swearing other people off. You know, you can't ever talk about this. This is a gentleman's agreement, blah, 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 blah. I'd be, like, how fucking funny people still think I, that was legit.
0: You'd be, like, on your bag going, I am the Bigfoot, and then, like, sleep now. Have you had your meds? <laughs> <laughs> But there's this other guy that's like a Hollywood stuntman and they think that he, because he's super tall and stuff, they think that he was the Bigfoot guy and there's a couple of people. But anyway, that's the history or that's a very short history of Bigfoot. So later I'll go into some more sort of modern encounters and I'll talk about the different types of Bigfoot in the US.
1: Exciting.
0: So that's where we are. We're at an hour and a half. So let's wrap it up now you guys i know that you're freaking hanging out for parts part two of both of these cases so uh let's leave it there you guys uh if you've got any uh suggestions or complaints or anything if you've got
1: any complaints don't send the complaints to us just keep them write them on a little note of paper fold it up and put it up your bum because we don't want any complaints we you have- can also
0: you can also set fire to it and gracefully blow it out a window.
1: Gracefully only, yeah.
0: That would that would be the pagan way.
1: Pagan, yep. And it's what Cath Day Knight would have done.
0: <laughs> anyway, you guys. Until next week, uh, be creepy. But
1: don't be a creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> history i could go on and on about jack black
0: jack black contact us yeah we talk about you all the time i love just, you just dm us yep. slide into them. our dms
1: slippery slide <laughs> i'm they're open and ready <laughs> <laughs> Ew, chris